This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03. You made it to Friday afternoon, January 20th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Fast food companies are increasingly depending on robots for labor. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the federal government has reached the debt ceiling while new numbers are out today on home sales. We're joined by Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economist at andrewbush.com based in Chicago. Andy, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Let's talk about the U.S. government hitting the debt ceiling. Um, The Treasury Department is going to take what it calls extraordinary measures to uh, keep paying the U.S. government's bills for the next couple of months or so. But Congress is facing a deadline sometime in the spring and summer. And uh, Andy, how will this fight shape up, especially compared to the debt ceiling drama of 2011? Yeah, it's very different because um, I think back then President Obama was willing to negotiate um, with John Boehner, who was the Speaker of the House Republican at that time. And actually, Republicans did get spending caps out of that deal. Today, it's very different. Um, We're 12 years after that, and uh, President Biden and Democrats have said, no, we need a clean bill, Uh, no deals attached to this. And I think it's going to be extraordinarily difficult for uh, Democrats to even negotiate with Republicans, because right now we just don't even know what the Republican stance is. What do they want? So it's it's a different situation. It's much more difficult. When assessing risk of the U.S. defaulting or at the very least uh, of a potential uh, U.S. credit downgrade as spring rolls over into summer, um, how much does the drama over electing a speaker several weeks ago play into that risk assessment? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy only has four votes really uh, within his party to uh, pass legislation. But um, having said that, here's here's the end game on this, I believe, is that eventually Democrats will go along with raising the debt ceiling. So will some moderate Republicans. And they're going to need to do this. At some point, you're going to have legislation hit the floor that has that mix and it will pass. And it will cost Kevin McCarthy his speakership. That would be my guess, that um, because of the things that he negotiated with, anybody could bring it up and call into question whether or not he should be speaker. Um, Anything that he does to raise the debt ceiling without the full support of the 218 is going to cost him his speakership. Existing home sales plunging to a 12-year low in December, but uh, mortgage rates are declining at the same time. On the other hand, if you're the Fed, you got to look at those home sales numbers and say, well, everything's working as it should. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's kind of a mixed bag here because there's not enough inventory to really supply the market with what it wants. But on the other side of that, the demand side, 
obviously we know rates have gone up just in one year time. They were down at two and a half percent for, you know, the 10 year. And then uh, and really 30 year mortgages, you could have got one back uh, a couple summers ago at that rate. Now they're, you know, at least double that uh, at six percent. Uh, they had gone up to seven. So that reduced down demand. So we're seeing we're letting this play out. Home prices have not fallen enough yet to really engender uh, more demand. So that's got to play out longer. So as far as the Fed's concerned, they realize that demand is softening here. And that's honestly, that's really what they want. Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economist at andrewbush.com based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up, trimming fast food costs by employing robots. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Chipotle and White Castle are among the fast food companies turning to robots as they deal with a labor shortage. Let's discuss the strategy with R.J. Hadevi, head of analytical research at the foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI, based in Chicago. R.J., thanks for joining us today. How uh, quickly are fast food establishments uh, jumping into the robotic space, especially as they still deal with a labor shortage? It's it's interesting. It's been a uh, topic that has been front and center for a lot of restaurant chains, particularly quick service restaurant chains the last couple of years. As you pointed out, there's been a labor shortage. And I think most restaurant operators you talk to right now would say that's still the number one issue facing uh, the, the industry, even as we're dealing with double digit inflation in a lot of cases. So uh, but with that double digit inflation, a lot of the chains are looking to reduce costs. And one of the things that has become more attractive to them is the idea of automating processes through robotics. And so it's not surprising that you're seeing groups like White Castle and Chipotle jump into this. Um, I think implementation is still going to take a long time to, to actually fully to put in place. It's something that is expensive for a lot of operators, and there's still some human element that has to go along with it. But it's interesting to see. I think this is, you know, particularly with White Castle announcing that they're going to put 100 more robots into locations over the next uh, year or so. Um, you know, it's, it's, we're starting to see a lot more brands embrace this, uh, this movement. There's a uh, fast food restaurant in the Millennium train station that I uh, every now and then I stop in there for breakfast. And I think about the fast food robot discussion as you see, you know, they have three or four employees and two and maybe three are doing the kitchen duties while one person operates the register. And sometimes that means you have a long line heading out into the train station at particularly busy times. And that's the purpose of introducing the robots is that the robots do the cooking work, the repetitive tasks of cooking, and so more humans can man the cash register. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's what I think most operators will tell you is that they're not replacing labor with uh, these kind of machines, but they're just, you know, better allocating what labor they have and being able to put uh, a lot more employees in a, in a customer facing situation. Although we do have some technologies that, you know, are, are making it easy to order. But then the day, what we're seeing is exactly right. It's the ability to get people through the line more, more quickly. You know, the, the end goal for this is really uh, trying to get increased throughput, as I call it, in the restaurant industry, um, you know, at these restaurant locations. And, um, you know, it's interesting to see, we, we've looked at a couple of the chains, our foot traffic uh, data, we've looked at the chains that have implemented this. And so far, we haven't seen a lot of noticeable trends, but I think as we start to get to the point where this is scaled across a, a wider number of stores, we might start to see some some improvement here, too. It's, it's something that's going to be, um, it takes some time to fully get consumers used to it, too. It's not just the employees that have to get used to this, too. Customers have to get used to these technologies and understand uh, what, what, what can be done with it. So, but it's interesting to watch, and I think it's going to be a, a trend certainly over the next couple of years in the quick service restaurant space to keep tabs on. 
It's kind of an odd uh, word to use when discussing robotics, but uh, isn't this part of the natural evolution inside the restaurant business or any business to just uh, streamline processes and increase employee productivity while with using technology? Yeah, it is. And you've seen it across a number of industries and in a lot of ways. Uh, we've already seen this across the retail space uh, the last couple of years with you know things like uh, online order, you know pickup and store kind of functions that are there. Uh, we've seen technology really transform the retail space, and you know it's taken the uh, the restaurant sector a little bit longer. I think uh, you didn't have a competitor like Amazon to disrupt the space like you did, but with the advent of you know delivery technologies and third party aggregators in that front. Uh, we're starting to see a lot of things accelerate in this space, too. And, and I think certainly, you know, first and foremost, too, I mean, the whole pandemic really forced a lot of operators to rethink how they operate. You're seeing a lot more people do drive through and delivery now. And that really has changed the whole work, uh, work process for a lot of restaurant chains. And you know, I think that's also helping to accelerate the adoption of robotics within restaurants as well. Is this something that can, uh, you know, it, it's hope that it will supercharge uh, productivity. Uh, is this the first step in supercharging innovation in the quick service restaurant space or is that already happening? Yeah, I think that's already happening, too. I mean, if you think about just about every function within the restaurant, whether it be flipping burger or cooking fries or making chips, um, but you expand beyond that, too. I mean, to things like uh, voice ordering for, um, you know, for, uh, the drive through We see a lot of chains like a Presto or a Converse now that are doing some really interesting things on that front. Mobile ordering, uh, certainly, you know, been a lot of technology put in place there. Um, you know, it, it really any function within a restaurant other than, you know, I'd say the wait staff taking orders at, at a table. And even to some extent, we're seeing that, too, uh, you know, seeing some technology enhance that. Really, any, any function within the restaurant, we're seeing some sort of technology being innovated for that, that function. R.J. Hadavi, head of analytical research at the foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, the latest on the streaming wars. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Netflix had a fantastic fourth quarter, exceeding expectations on new subscribers and earnings. Let's update the heated competition in streaming with Tom Lason, media analyst in Seattle. Find him on Twitter at Tom Lason. Tom Thanks for joining us today. Netflix is a streaming service that has taken its lumps in recent months, but uh, it exceeded expectations in the fourth quarter, and even after introducing a paid advertising tier. Yeah, it has um, really been on a tear here recently. And, you know, I think the fundamental question here is, will Netflix be a case where the prime mover, the first player in this whole streaming thing, actually wins? Um, You know, the jury is still out on that, but as you allude to, the stock market likes their chances. Uh, The company pulled in more subs in Q4 with an upside surprise of 7.6 million, beating the estimate of 4.5. But Netflix, I also want to mention, missed the top and bottom line. So, yes, right now, Netflix is enjoying another round of big hits like Glass Onion and Troll, All Quiet on the Western Front, Vendetta. Um, but this is a big challenge. Um, turning a great idea into consistent profit or ver- profitability um, in a vertical where the raw material, the content, is very expensive is going to continue to be a challenge for them. How quickly can Netflix make the pivot from growth and constantly adding survivors, uh, I should say survivors, which is, that's the next question, adding uh, subscribers, and uh, how can it make that pivot from just adding subscribers and growing as a business to actually making money now that the era of easy money and easy financing is over? Yeah, I was going to say, the first thing you need to know is they got to do it now. 
Um, right now, Netflix is on, st- on top with 231 million subs. But remember this, and here's some low-hanging fruit. 100 million of those are sharing passwords. So the company, of course, says it's going to be ramping up the crackdown on password sharing. There might be some churn here, but another piece that feeds into that, into your question, is maybe there won't be so much churn because they're offering fairly low-cost ad-supported tiers now, including, word is, maybe even a free ad-supported tier. With that said, though, you know, watchability is going to be a challenge. If you watch YouTube, and I do quite a bit, that free service is now just about unwatchable. So a lot of work is going to remain to be done on how ads are timed and served and how watchable some of those things are. But, you know, that move to profitability um, is going to involve some other avenues Um, including that password sharing and possibly ad-supported tiers. Now on the subject of survivors, will we see a wave of consolidation in the world of streaming video? And if so, who will the survivors be? That is above my pay grade. I will say I I can't predict who the survivors are going to be, but we've been talking for some time, Rob, about the fact that there has to be consolidation in this. Um, are there areas that are potential for growth with sports maybe the WWE and Netflix case and a partnership with Nike for gaming and fitness? Um, yes, but again, um, and I've emphasized this over the years a lot, creating television and compelling content, it looks so easy. You push the button and turn on, you turn on the TV and you say, gosh, I could do that. It is incredibly challenging. There's a reason movies cost $100 million to make. Um, it is expensive before it's profitable. Yeah, Netflix has the cash flow. Others do too. They have deep libraries um, that they've that they've unleashed onto their streaming services. There will be consolidation, but who the winners are going to be, I don't know. But I think it might be very interesting if Netflix is as the prime mover. Tom Lason, media analyst in Seattle. Follow him on Twitter, at Tom Lason. Thanks for joining us today. Still ahead in Entrepreneur Friday, a Chicago company that helps businesses get their message out through promotional items and gifts. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is their 
there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Google workers, including some in Chicago, could be impacted by major job cuts. The FAA reveals results of initial probe into a systems failure that grounded thousands of flights. Entrepreneur Friday, we meet the founder of a Chicago company that specializes in promotional products and gifts for businesses, and job cuts are hitting the tech sector in a major way. WBBM business, the markets are higher, the Dobb the Dow is up uh, 69 points. The Nasdaq is up 155. The S&P 500 is up 32. We have 32 degrees right now in Chicago. Topping out at 35 this afternoon. Cloudy and cold. Windy, too. Uh, wind chills in the 20s. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour. The Google workforce is being hit hard by layoffs. The tech giant plans to cut 12,000 jobs in the coming months. More than 1,800 employees work at Google's West Loop location, which opened in 2000. The company CEO says rapid expansion that took place during the pandemic has worn off. The Federal Aviation Administration says a preliminary investigation indicates a power outage that caused thousands of cancellations and delays was accidental. The FAA now says last week's problem that disrupted more than 11,000 flights was the result of contract personnel unintentionally deleting files. The FAA says the deletion occurred when they were trying to synchronize primary and backup databases. Officials say there is no evidence at this point of a cyber attack or malicious intent. Steve Futterman, CBS News. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Stocks are trading higher today. We're joined by Hugh Johnson, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer of Hugh Johnson Economics based in Albany, New York. Hugh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Despite today's gains so far in this trading session, this has been kind of a down week for the major financial indices. What's been weighing on the markets this week? Well, I, I think there are a lot of things weighing on the market, but the number one concern, Rob, is that we're going to be, uh, if we haven't already, that we're going to be entering a so-called hard landing in the first and second quarters of this year. And when we looked at the December numbers, retail sales numbers for December, or we looked at the production manufacturing sector of the economy uh, for the month of December, it looked as though the economy actually, uh, certainly from the manufacturing sector and maybe also the services sector, were contracting or declining in the uh, month of December. And the worry is that's going to carry over or spill over into the first two quarters of this year and we'll have an economic recession. 
Interesting analysis in the Wall Street Journal this morning that uh, looked at the trajectory of price increases in 2022. And after this uh, historic 40-year run-up in inflation that we saw in the first half of last year, prices basically leveled off in the second half of last year. And that uh, the Fed may have already reached its 2% target if you uh, look at inflation on a month-to-month basis. Um, is is that kind of baked into some of the analysis here that uh, the Fed has already reached their target and uh, now the big fear is they're going to overshoot? Uh, there is fear that they're going to overshoot. There is fear that they already have overshoot shot and then we're going to have that recession or a contraction in the economy first two quarters. Um, there, I don't think many people would agree that uh, with the journal that that we have a, that they've reached their two percent target. Most of the focus is, of course, on the consumer price index. And yes, it's improving. It's coming down. It's come down on a year-over-year basis every month uh, since the month of June in 2022. And the expectation, very strong expectation, is that the inflation rate on a year-over-year basis, uh, as measured by consumer prices, is going to continue to decline. And I might say it's not just producer or uh, consumer prices. It's also wholesale or producer prices that are going to continue to come down. So prices are coming down. They may not have reached their target yet, but we're certainly headed in that direction. And I think you're going to see more of that as we move through 2023. And the question is, will the Federal Reserve respond to the improvement in the inflation numbers by uh, taking their foot off the brake and maybe even getting to the point where they start to um, start to really reduce short-term interest rates? That's that's for much later in 2023, but nevertheless, the question is, how will the Fed respond? The most resilient sector of the U.S. economy over the past uh, year and a half, or the past year since the tightening cycle began, has been the job market. Now, we do have uh, almost daily reports now of uh, major tech companies laying off tens of thousands of workers. Uh, is it possible that that remains siloed from the rest of the job market, or is that a contagion? It's a real big question. How do you reconcile the numbers that we're seeing from the larger companies, and they're mostly technology companies, the number of layoffs, the number of job losses that have occurred in that sector, with really the overall job numbers have not been very, very bad. They've been all right when we take it through the month of December. They're slowing. There's no question they're slowing. But the reason you can, the way you can reconcile it is you really have to take a look at uh, small companies and mid-sized companies, and the larger companies are certainly laying off people, and the jo- and the job numbers are not good with larger companies, but with but it's being offset by some pretty good job numbers in small to mid-sized companies, which are making the overall job numbers for the U.S. economy look a little bit better. That's fine through December, but Rob, brace yourself because we're going into into January, and I think you're going to see the job numbers not only come down, that the overall job numbers will come down but they might get uh, to be somewhat dismal, somewhat dark. So really, everybody should hang on to their seats when they start to look at the January and February job numbers. And then very quickly, uh, how much of a red flag was the December retail sales report? A big red flag. Um, It said that in the month of November and December, consumer spending slowed. And so consumer spending, personal consumption expenditures, which is 70% of the economy, Uh, contracted in the month of uh, November and certainly in the month of December. That's 70% of the economy. Will that continue in January and February? A lot of economists that are guessing, yes, that the answer to that question is yes. Consumer spending is in the process of contracting or slowing. And that's why everybody or some economists 
and I would say the majority of economists believe we may have a contraction in the economy, not not just in, in the month of December, but also in the first quarter and the second quarter. Consumer spending is not doing well. Hugh Johnson, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer at Hugh Johnson Economics, based in Albany. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, an Entrepreneur Friday, helping companies spread the word through promotional merch. Credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday, and this afternoon we're spotlighting a Chicago business that deals in promotional products and gifts for use by businesses. We welcome in Leo Friedman, founder and CEO of iPromo, based in Chicago. Leo, thanks for joining us today. And uh, you, you make promotional merchandise or promotional items for conventions, trade shows, uh, whatever you want, whatever you need. Uh, if you need a, a, a cocktail tumbler with your logo on it, you're the person to call. Yeah, we sure are. And look, Awesome Swag is one of the few marketing mediums people actually love to get, right? Every other type of marketing we do, whether it's you know, TV commercials or even billboards can be slightly annoying. But if you give the right swag out, people love it. And they're, they're happy to show off your logo and they think of you every single day. And uh, normally, you know, in the before time, and when I mean before the pandemic, uh, you probably did a brisk business with uh, trade shows coming through Chicago or coming through Rosemont or anywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we sure did. That that came to an abrupt end March 15, 2020. So we had to definitely pivot in a bunch of different ways. Yeah, you certainly can't uh, hand out promotional pencils when uh, that convention uh, is now a, a, just a giant Zoom call. So how did you uh, ad- <laughs> adapt to that new reality? So a few things. Uh, obviously, we got a bit into PPE because now our clients needed masks and branded masks right? And branded sanitizer. But the really big pivot that we did was online redemption stores. So if business buys, call it a thousand, I don't know, pop sockets, we would inventory them and then clients, actually employees would order them online or HR departments would send them out directly to each individual's address. And we did the same thing with swag boxes, like onboarding boxes. Uh, 20 new employees start, and we will ma- would mail them out directly to people's homes. What is the most common piece of promotional merch that a client asks for? Is it a glass? Is it uh, a pencil? Is it you know what do people want? On um, so I'm, we classified into three different kind of levels. So entry level is definitely everybody wants a T-shirt. That's the most common. Mid-level, like a nicer gift, would be the product of the year for us has been Apple AirTags. We've customized tens of thousands of these Apple AirTags over the past year. And then on the high end, it's been Yeti coolers, believe it or not. Real Yeti coolers, not 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 the offer uh, that you get in your uh, in your spam inbox uh, no, these days. It's no, the real, real thing. Fun. Yep. And and how you know? Do you see your stuff in the wild? And uh, what's the most interesting place where you have found an iPromo product? I think the most interesting place for me personally would be like I was on a buddy's uh, you know ranch and he had towels and I looked at the towels and it's towels we did for him years ago and he was still using them. 
giving them out to everybody. So that was pretty cool. Now, does this have to be a promotional merchandise for a business? Uh, and, and has that been the entire history of the company? Has it always been a promotional merchandise for businesses and trade shows kind of company? Or did you start out with uh, personalized messages? You know, 40, 40 glasses or 40 plastic cups that say, congratulations, Gus, on your retirement. I actually love that question. We started out as a USB flash drive company. We sold USB flash drives with a logo. And we're selling flash drives when companies like Salesforce were a startup and we sold them flash drives. And then Salesforce called us one day and said, can you put a logo on it? And we put a logo on flash drives for Salesforce. And then we expand into other products slowly and how we do everything from, you know, pens and pencils all the way to high end corporate gifts. And then very quickly, Leo, uh, so Salesforce, was that your first big client? It was one of our first big clients. And, you know, there's been like that was a big growth spurt for us. And look, sometimes you hire a lot of people and you grow because you get a big client. And sometimes you don't get the clients you want and you're forced to let people go. Entrepreneurship is really hard, but you got to be ready for it. But it's, it's been going on, at least for you, for 24 years. Uh, you founded the company in 1999. You managed to get through a uh, historic pandemic, and uh, you're still standing, and the convention business is coming back. It sure, it sure is. Yeah, it's going to be 24 years, November 1st of this year. And look, I expect to be, quote-unquote, punched in the stomach at least two to three times a day. But you have to be ready for it as an entrepreneur. And longevity is being ready for these kind of hits every single day. And I want to be in business another 24 years, another 30 years, but it's hard and be prepared for it as an entrepreneur, no matter how big or small. Well, Leo Friedman, uh, entrepreneur and it sounds like a part-time boxer getting punched in the stomach (laughs) uh, two or three times a day, uh, metaphorically, I hope. Uh, Leo, thanks for joining us today. Founder and CEO of iPromo based in Chicago. Still to come, job cuts at Google could impact workers here in the city. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Google is cutting about 12,000 jobs. That word comes just a few days after Microsoft announced 10,000 layoffs. Let's talk about the potential impact locally and nationally with Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago jobs expert with Robert Half based in Chicago. Michelle, thanks for joining us today. The software industry in Chicago, the IT industry, the industry in which uh, Google's competitors operate, um, do they have the capacity to uh, absorb any Chicago layoffs? Yes, absolutely. Um, Hiring definitely remains strong, and we continue to talk to companies every day about the challenges they're facing with hiring. And so, you know, where these tech giants are facing major layoffs, a lot of the small to medium-sized businesses are still very much struggling, and we'll look forward to, you know, meeting with, interviewing those uh, layoffs. And what does this mean also for job placement companies, corporate recruiters, headhunters? How how is this going to impact uh, their business and their schedule going into 2023? You know, they're going to remain very busy if they're on top of those candidates that are available in the marketplace. There are still 1.7 jobs open for every unemployed candidate. And so if you can get your arms around companies that are laying off, you know, connect with those candidates and get opportunities in front of them. You know, even personally myself, I had a friend that was laid off by a tech giant, called a recruiter, 
And he had a job or offer from a startup in less than a week. So there's lots of opportunities out there for both. And uh, even with uh, Google and Microsoft and Meta laying off uh, tens of thousands of employees, it sounds like the uh, the arms race for talent, as it were, is uh, still very much uh, uh, competitive and hot. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, companies are still open to remote and hybrid workers. So, you know, even where some of these tech giants are based in other states, doesn't mean that the Chicagoland market can't grab a hold of that talent if that, you know, Chicago company is open to remote remote staff. If you find yourself being let go and you go back out into the job market once you have your severance and all of the stuff from your old job taken care of, uh, do you can you find that uh, you still have a great deal of negotiating leverage when it comes to uh, arranging the compensation at your next employer? Yeah, compensation, you know, benefits. Uh, those types of things are still under great negotiation. The only area we probably have seen tighten up a little bit is, you know, fully remote versus hybrid, you know, versus on-site. You know, a lot of our clients are returning back to at least a hybrid or on-site environment. So that's a little less negotiable, but still worth an ask for sure. And I, I could say that uh, merely from my own observations from taking the train, that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday... <laughs> The train looks like it did in 2019. You you have people now sitting next to each other. It's still fairly crowded. But Monday and Friday, and Friday especially, you can tell a lot of people are working from home. Yep, I would 100% agree. I feel the same way about the parking garage I park in. Mondays and Fridays, really easy to find a spot. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, if I don't get in early, it's a struggle. So um, absolutely dead on. Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago Jobs Expert with Robert Half, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. You'll find past programs and later today a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.